Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time. And at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. Hello, friends, and welcome, Light Beings. Today is a crossover from my two podcasts. Now, I have the Chapters of Motherhood podcast, and I have the Ethereal Phoenix podcast. And what I'm doing today, because it's a Halloween special, I am going to integrate the stories together so that they can actually match up with both podcasts. Now, I've always known that one of my soul's purpose was to be a mother in this lifetime. And as a child, when people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say I want to be a mom and I want to be a psychiatrist for the Air Force. You know, like every other little girl, whenever I had my dolls, I would play with them and, you know, I would play mommy with them and I would try to mother them the best that I could as a child. And using my own mother's example, I would parent my dolls, right? But what was different about me was that when I would go to the store I always wanted to stop at the toy aisle because I wanted to talk to the dolls. And my mom would, I mean, this was back in the 70s and 80s, right? So my mom was okay with it, but she would just drop me off at the toy department while she was off, you know, shopping. And I would stay at the toy department and I would talk to the dolls. And I would tell them, you know, if I was, or actually, I think I would even sneak away. I don't even think it was her doing it. It was me sneaking away. And I would go to the doll aisle and I would talk to them and I would tell them, oh, if I was your mommy, I'd take you home and I'd give you baths and I'd feed you. And I was just like talking to these dolls where other adults would stop and watch. And actually, there was a story that my mom told me one time that when she stopped letting me do that, it was because of this. I, I don't know how old I was. I was pretty young. I don't even think I was in kindergarten yet. But she says that uh, one time she took me and I, I either snuck away or she, I think I snuck away because she was looking for me frantically. And she says that when she found me, she found me at the checkout stand with a couple, a man and a woman, they were married and they were a couple, and they were buying me a doll. And she says that they told her that they thought it was so cute and so adorable that I was talking to dolls and telling them, you know, if I was your mommy, I'm going to take you home and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to do this or that, right? And they asked me if they could buy me a doll. And I remember saying yes. And I remember, I don't really remember much. I just remembered I was going to get a doll. And then that's when my mom found me. She found me at the checkout and she's like, no, 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 this is my daughter. And they were already leading me out the door. They were already leading me out the door. And she was like, no, 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 this is my daughter. You know, it's, she's mine. I was reporting her right now. And, they, and so when they told her the story, they gave me the doll and they just went along their way. And, you know, she never trusted it. And she said that she resented the doll, that she just, she threw it away behind my back. Which, you know, as a mom now, I can understand why she did that. So, you know, that was fine. 
So as a teenager, I had decided that as soon as I turned 18, I wanted to join the Air Force and be a psychiatrist for the Air Force. But as many of you know that I got pregnant at 17, and looking back on it, I really do believe that that was divine intervention. Because if I would have gone off to the Air Force, I would have focused all my time on my career. And that wasn't my life's purpose. My life's purpose was to be a mother. So when I had the dilemma, because it was a dilemma, you know, to get pregnant at 17, when, when that happened, I chose immediately, I want to be a mom more than what I want my independence. I want to be a mom more than going off to the Air Force. So even though I was very scared and I was very unprepared, not prepared in the least, I still chose to have my baby. And then after a few years, I had my daughter, my first daughter. So after that, after I had accomplished my dream of becoming a mother to two children, I had decided that I wanted to go back to college because what was my next dream? My next dream was to be a psychiatrist. So with that in mind, I went back to school and I started taking psychology courses. I started majoring in psychology. So while I was there, there happened to be a class being offered in the community classes, right? Not, it wasn't part of the actual college, but it was part of like the community courses. And there was a class or a course for hypnosis. So I took this hypnosis class with the thought that this was really going to complement my psychology degree. And I really thought that, you know, I'm going to use it to help people, you know, go into their subconscious of this present life and find out what their blockages are, find out what their fears are, help them get over these things. But as I went through the course, I quickly found out that it's going to be so much more. I had no idea just how impactful this course was going to be on my life. The subconscious holds so much information from all our lives, not just our life right now, the present life, but it holds information for all our past lives. So one day, my instructor wanted to do a demonstration on past life regressions. And out of the 25 students that were there, my instructor chose me to do the live demonstration, which was a little, I mean, I should have known back then because thinking back on it now, it did seem like he was every now and again tapping into my energy and talking to me and checking my reaction to see if I would hear him telepathically, right? And he must have recognized it. He must have seen it. He must have recognized it. I must have recognized it. I don't know how, but he chose me to do the past life regression. And he had chosen me to do a, a few other demonstrations as well. But this one, this one's the, the main important one. So he hypnotized me and I fell under the trance. I truly felt and sounded and looked different in this trance while under hypnosis. There were students there that afterwards, I'm going to get to the whole story, but afterwards there were students there that when I opened my eyes, they were so shocked. And they told me that I spoke different, that I moved different, and that my facial features actually looked different. Like obviously they could tell it was still me, but there was just something different about me when I was speaking from my subconscious and repeating my past life story. Okay, so without further ado, this is how it went. I remembered growing up very much like Little House on the Prairie. If you've ever seen that program, that show from, I think it was like late 70s, early 80s, that is what I remembered. I remembered living on a farm. I remember being, you know, pretty dirt poor. I remember the floor being dirt, living in a tiny little cabin-like house. 
with um, obviously my parents. And then there was other children there. I don't remember how many. There was a lot of children there. And I, he asked me to look down at myself and see what I was wearing. And I wasn't wearing any shoes. I was wearing tattered clothing. I was picking, I think, berries. It looked like I was berries. I was working the farm for sure as a child. And we ate whatever we grew and we wore whatever we made. So we were pretty poor, I guess. I guess you could say that we were pretty poor. Well, I don't know if we were pretty poor because we were living off of land. You know, we did have our own land. We did have our own produce that we, you know, our own food that we were growing. But it just didn't seem like it was enough. For me, I guess, you know, as the person experiencing it, it didn't seem like it was enough for me because there was just no luxury. We were living in a small town where everybody knew each other and every house was connected through blood or marriage. And like that old cliche, I fell in love with the boy next door. Some farmer neighbor boy had stolen my heart and I was preparing to have the same lifestyle that I grew up in. But along came the richest man in town and saw that I had grown up into a beautiful young woman and decided to offer me, pretty much he offered me the world, right? He offered me marriage. He came to my parents, asked to marry me, and I was super excited. I was totally down to get married to the richest man because he was the richest man in town. And I broke the engagement with the farmer boy. When it came down to it, I chose money over love which come to find out, um, because I've done more past life regressions, that has been a theme in my past lives, that I have chosen money over relationships, over, over love, basically. All I can really remember is that I was just blinded by money at that time. And I thought, you know, how could you not fall in love with somebody who has money is giving you the world like love will come, it doesn't matter. And honestly, back in those times, that's just how it was. I mean, getting married really was a business transaction. I'm talking about like the early 1800s. But as I was observing my life back then, it was actually pretty lonely. Did I have every luxury? Yes, I did. Did I have political influence because of my husband? Yes, I did. We had political influence. We had, you know, riches. I was dressed in the best clothing. I had the best carriage. I had blue ribbon horses. There was, I think I had a cattle ranch. I'm thinking it was either the cattle or it was horses. I'm not really sure exactly what type of livestock my husband at that time had, but it was livestock and that's how we had our money. So I had everything, all the materialistic things that I could have wanted. And I had, you know, all the fake, all the fake rich friends also, and political influence because of my husband. But it was very lonely. It was lonely. There were fake friends. I couldn't associate with my family because they were too poor, you know, and you had an image to keep up. And so I became lonely. And I remember that, you know, my instructor asked me, oh, you know, go back and look. Do you have any um, siblings or anything? And I looked and I remember just immediately popping into like a farm field, right? And looking through the fence and seeing my sister married to the boy next door that I had fallen in love with, that I had broken the the engagement with because he wanted to remain, somehow remain in my life. So he decided to marry my younger sister or my older sister, I don't know, one of my sisters. And they had a lot of children. I don't know how many children that they had, but they had a lot of children. 
And I would look at them and I would think, you know, they don't have everything that I have. I have all the riches. I have, you know, the biggest, nicest, most beautiful house. I have uh, all the means to take care of the children. And I felt this pain and this jealousy and this genuine envy for my sister, for marrying this man, for having such a fortunate and abundant life with children, because they, they also had a farm and they were doing just fine. They, they weren't doing as well as I was, but they weren't doing any worse than what I grew up in. And so I felt very jealous and I could feel it in my trance. I could feel very jealous and just longing for those children, wanting those children. And because I had relayed that message to the instructor, he was prompt to ask me if I had any children. And when he asked me that, I looked down at my arms and there was a baby and I, and I had just had this baby. And I was like, so happy and overjoyed. Yes, I answered, I have a baby girl. And she was just beautiful. And I was just, and I could feel the emotions of, of having this baby and being so excited that I had my own. And he asked me, what is her name? And I mentioned her name. And he asked me, what is she wearing? And I said, oh, she's wearing, you know, I crocheted her dress and I crocheted her uh, bonnet. And I was very proud that I did that for her because I could have bought her whatever I wanted, but I did it myself. I crocheted it myself for her. And he asked me, how old is she? And as I was looking at her in, in her little outfit that I had made her still wrapped up in my arms, I responded, she's six months old, but she died from influenza. And so there, there came back that pain and I started crying. Tears were streaming down my cheeks and I started crying and I said, she died from influenza. And... I felt blamed for it. And my husband had also blamed me as well, as far as, you know, the baby's death. I mean, it, it was the flu. Like, there, there's nobody to blame. The baby was only six months. But it was such a heartache. It was such a painful thing that happened to us that it turned me very bitter. And it turned him very bitter. And we decided or he decided that he was going to leave. He thought, you know what, this is too much pain. I can't get through to you. I'm going to leave. And he decided to leave. And it had something to do with the railroad. I don't know. He was going to invest in the railroad, just pretty much leave me behind and in charge of the cattle ranch. So the instructor asked me, do you have any other children? And I answered, no, no, I don't have any other children. In fact, after my husband left to invest in this new form of transportation with the railroads, he just left me there and never came back. So I stayed with the money. I stayed with the cattle ranch. I stayed with all the political influence that he had. I was one of, um, I had a lot of power for being a woman back in those days because my husband was still alive. Even though he had left, he was still alive and I was his voice. The only thing that I can remember from that past life is that he met and found somebody else and started a life with a mistress, but of course did not divorce me because that would look wrong on the community. But I guess having a mistress did not look wrong and he, you know, made a life with her somewhere else and just left me behind and I just had to put up and take it. So after that, my instructor asked me to go to the day of when I died. And he asked me to look in the mirror. And so I could see myself. I could see myself as an old woman. I must have been about like in my 70s, I think, 60s to 70s, full head of grayish blonde hair and emerald green eyes. I was shocked because and, and I remember thinking like, of course, I have a mirror. Of course I do. I'm rich. 
<laughs> because you got to understand back in the early 1800s, late 1700s, like mirrors were very expensive. Not everybody had them. So I remember being very smug when he asked me, do you have a mirror that you can see yourself? And I was like, of course I have a mirror. So anyway, after I described myself and what I was wearing, I was wearing, um, I guess I was wearing a nightgown. And I could see outside my window and I can see my ranch. I can see, you know, just how beautiful it was. It was very green, grass everywhere. There were mountains, uh, yeah, there were mountains in the distance. And it just, it was just a beautiful scene. And so he asked me, okay, you know, how did you die? And so I'm telling him, you know, I'm laying in my bed. There's servants downstairs getting my breakfast ready. And the house was full of servants, right? And I was in my bed and... I started not being able to breathe and I could feel myself like my whole face got red, like my chest was got red and I could feel like my throat closing. I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And, and I started to panic because I really felt like I could not breathe and I could feel the pain and the panic come over me. And I was trying to call people. I was trying to call the maid. I was trying, I was trying to call a servant and there was nobody there. Nobody came. And so my instructor quickly tells me, remember, this is your under hypnosis, you're perfectly safe, you can breathe, you know, allow yourself to breathe, but still remember what happened. So after he calmed me down from, you know, basically having a panic attack, I was able to breathe and I was able to just observe and not feel. And so I tell him, you know, it's getting dark, there's a house full of servants, nobody's here to be with me, I'm scared, I'm alone. My husband left me. I have no children. I have all the money that I've ever wanted, but I'm alone and I'm dying by myself. And then he asked me, okay, what else do you see? Like, and I told him everything's black. Everything turned black. I don't see anything. And he told me, well, what do you feel? And I said, well, you know what? I feel warm. I feel very warm. I feel very tingling. And he goes, what else do you see now? And, I'm, and I told him, I do see a light. And he said, okay, go to it. And so as I was going to it, the next thing that I know, I kind of turned my head and he noticed that I turned my head and I turned to it and he said, what just happened? And I said, someone's touching my shoulder. And he's like, okay, who's touching your shoulder? And as he asked me that, I saw my mom, my present life mom right now. And I go, oh my God, it's my mom. She's so young. And he's like, okay, so it's your mom. So I... I swear that I experienced my birth and it wasn't very, I mean, I don't think I realized it at the moment that I was experiencing my birth until afterwards, until after I came out of it that I was saying, that was my mom. She was so young. My mom actually pretty much delivered me herself. When she went into labor, I was a month early and they didn't believe that she was in labor because they were trying to slow down her labor. They were trying to give her medication to slow it down. And I was born anyway. And so she pulled me from herself, herself, you know, and she apparently grabbed my shoulder doing it. So at that point, the past life regression session or live demonstration was over and he helped pull me out and he did leave the suggestion that I will remember everything and that I was going to heal from whatever it was that blocked me back then. And I believe that he really did help me heal from wanting money over wanting relationships. Because in this life, I'm completely different. I don't care if you have money. I don't care if you're broke. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is if you love me unconditionally. That's what I've learned from that particular past life regression. 
because I left my last life already having money, and then the previous life before that, I also already had money. In this lifetime, I was born into a middle class family, which, you know, it's not rich, but it's not poor. We're middle class. All our needs were taken care of. Like we wanted for nothing really growing up due to my parents, right? So in this life, money doesn't really mean that much. Why? Because I can get it whenever I want it, because that was already a lesson that I had learned in a previous life. I can't lose that. I've already learned that lesson. I've already learned how to become abundant. I'm going to be abundant again because I've already learned that skill. What I hadn't learned yet was how to love and be loved unconditionally, how to have a mother-child relationship, how to have a loving marriage. And that's what my past lives were missing. That's what I needed to correct in this life. So as I mentioned, since then, I've had about another three past lives that I can remember, past life regressions that I can remember as a woman. I know I've had a lot more as a man, but for some reason right now that information is not coming to me. I could only remember one and I don't remember much about it, so I'm not going to speak on it. But the ones where I was a woman, I know and I can speak from them. This is my first life being an actual mother more than six months, like raising children. And because I know that, I guess that must have been my subconscious deal breaker. My deal breaker with any other man that has come into my life after my first husband has been children. I want to have more children. And when my first husband and I divorced, I felt like I was cheated out of a baby because the year that we got divorced was the year that we had agreed that we were going to try for a third baby. But instead, what ended up happening, we ended up getting divorced. And I felt very cheated. I felt like that was supposed to be my baby because he had a baby. He had another child with another woman, which perfectly fine. I, I don't wish anybody any bad will, especially not the little girl that they ended up having. But at the same time, when I found out, I was like, oh, that was supposed to be my baby. You know, that was our baby that we were planning. So I felt cheated. I didn't feel jealous. I didn't feel envious. I just felt cheated. Like that was supposed to be mine, you know, and what else am I supposed to do? I mean, this is my older children's sister. They had a girl. And what was I supposed to do? Like be, oh, that's not your No, come on. That, that's their sister. And they love her very much. And to me, it's almost like she's my soul baby. And I know that's going to piss off some people. And I'm sorry if it makes you mad. But to me, she is my soul baby. She is the baby that I was supposed to have that I didn't get to have. So whenever my kids talk about her, I listen intently because I want to know. I want to know about her. And not to mention, she looks exactly like my daughter. <laughs> this little girl looks exactly like my daughter. So how could I not have any other feelings towards this child other than affection for her? But still, I felt cheated out of a baby. And so before I married my second ex-husband, I told him that is a deal breaker for me. You know, I want to have more children. And if you don't, then we can't continue this relationship. Well, if you've been listening to Chapters of Motherhood from the very beginning, there is a story where I speak about, or there is a chapter that I do speak about that marriage and that deal breaker. And he basically deceived me and said, 
well, he literally deceived me and said that he would want to have children. If it meant keeping me, then he did want to have children. But once we were married and once we were ready to have children, we were at a point financially where we were making more money than I had had in this life, right? We were financially prepared. But the moment that he told me, no, I don't want to have children, I changed my mind again, and I don't want to have babies, wouldn't you know it that at that very same time, everything started changing? Because that was my deal breaker. And so remember, I've already achieved abundance. I've already learned that skill. So when he said, no, we're not going to have more children, it started to slowly go away. The income started to slowly reduce. And I didn't make the connection back then. I had no way of making the connection back then. I'm making that connection just now, just recently, like these last couple of weeks, I I made that connection. That the moment that he said, you know what, I don't want kids anymore, that was my deal breaker and everything started falling apart. Our income went away. All I can say is that that was the catalyst that brought our marriage down. I mean, there was just so much more that had happened, but that was the beginning that brought it down. And honestly, that was also divine intervention. As I'm looking back and thinking clearly, that was also divine intervention. Because this life is not the first life that we shared. I shared another previous past life where he used me for my abundance back then. And I had to learn that lesson this time around so that it didn't happen again. So with that said, again, part of my soul contract is to have children in this life. And that is why that is a deal breaker. What I've come to find out is that children really are gifts and rewards from God. They really are. You have to pass, or this is what I've noticed. I had to pass quite a few different tests, quite a few different challenges before I was gifted and rewarded with a baby. And what I've come to discover was that the loss of my baby, it wasn't a punishment. No, it wasn't. It was a lesson. There was a challenge that was put up and I failed that challenge. And so the lesson was that I need to place value on relationships, on emotional connections over money, over the material world. That was my lesson to learn. What did I really want in life? Did I want money or did I want emotional connections? Also, the other lesson that I learned is that children are a gift and a lesson of unconditional love. Now, without getting too much uh, or too deep into my past life regressions, I just want to mention, I just want to mention a couple of them. So the one that I can remember, the one that I have my first memory of is being a baby and being poor and actually dying from starvation. So in this past life that happened first, or that I think happened first anyway, I can see myself as a baby and I couldn't have been more than maybe 10 months old. I don't, I don't really know, but I was a baby. I was not a toddler yet. And I remember looking up and seeing like a straw hut, right? There was like a, it, I was like in some type of hut. It must have been, I feel like it was somewhere in Ireland and it was back in like 
I don't know if it was even the year 1000 yet. Maybe it was the year 700. I don't really know. But it was a long, long time ago. And I do remember seeing, you know, straw and a beam. And I guess that's another reason why I don't really like beams. I mean, I see them and I think they're nice, you know, the ceiling beams. And I think they're nice, but I never want them. I'm like, no, I don't like it. I don't like those beams. Well, this is why. Because I remember being a baby and I remember that my parents were just gone. Like my parents had just abandoned me. I really don't know what happened to my parents. I just know that they left and never came back. And I couldn't get up of where wherever it is I was, whatever, wherever I was lying down, I couldn't get up out of it. And I had been crying for days already. I had been crying and crying to the point where I was dehydrated. I had no more tears left. I had no one to change me. I was dirty in my own filth. And I was hungry and no one came back. And I just died of starvation. In the next life that I had, I, this is a really good one, but I don't want to really get into this story, but I will one day. Um, so in my next life, I know that I stole other people's fortune. I know that I did something wrong and stole another woman's fortune. And I remember that I was getting away with it for years until I met a man, I met a duke that wanted to marry me, but because he was royalty and he was a duke, he found out that all my papers were fake. He found out the truth about me and I had no choice but to confess. But he didn't turn me in. He instead exiled me. But I did pay karma. I did pay the price because that's when I met someone else who decided to use me for my abundance and pretty much steal it from me. Now, in this lifetime, my soul remembers the lesson. Because, like I said, the fact that I left my last life with abundance and fortune, I brought it back with me. So whatever I do or whoever I'm with, I bring the abundance with me. Meaning that every time I've been in a relationship with somebody, their abundance grows with me. And it's whatever it is that's missing in their life, whatever type of abundance that they're missing in their life. So whether that be money or that be family or that be humor, whatever it is that they're missing, I bring it with me. But as long as they're treating me right, because as soon as they treat me wrong and I decide that I'm done with that relationship, guess what? I take it with me. I've taken it with me. Even though I have left two previous marriages penniless, without any proceeds of the sales of the homes, I still take my abundance with me. And like I said, it doesn't have to be money. Abundance does not always mean money. Now, because I've learned all these lessons, I am now a light warrior, which means that I am also karma. Now I'm the one delivering lessons. Now I don't do this on purpose. I don't do this, you know, with a vindictive heart or anything like that. I just am. I just passed all my tests, and because of that, I'm walking karma. People that want to do me wrong, before they know it, it happens to them. And they know it's because of me, because I'm favored, because I'm protected. They know it's me because it's whatever they're planning for me, it ends up happening to them. And I don't have to lift a finger. I don't do anything. I'm just walking karma. I'm just protected. Now, with that said, this is what I've learned so far. 
in this lifetime and why I've been gifted five children. So my first test and challenge was at the age of 17. I was challenged with, do you want your independence and to live your childhood dream of going to the Air Force and becoming a psychiatrist for the Air Force? Or are you going to value life this time? And I valued the gift of life over my independence. And that's why I was gifted my baby. Now, with my second, I believe that I was gifted with my first daughter because I was faithful to my religion. And because I was faithful to my religion, I married my first husband and wanted to really make a life together with him. And I wanted to value our family. And so I was gifted my baby girl. However, at one point I was being very vengeful and I almost lost my baby at seven months. And I know regardless of what everything else had happened, I know that one of those reasons would have been a lesson to value family over being vengeful. Now, as for my third baby, I was also being challenged again by money. Like I mentioned, when I was with my second husband, we were at a level of success that I hadn't had before that point in this life. But when he reneged on his side of the deal, when he reneged on our deal and on that promise, that's when I left. I mean, there's so much more, but you know, that was one of the reasons that's why I left. And at that time, I really was dating to find a stepfather and to find someone that was going to give me my baby that I wanted. So that weighed in very heavily on the relationships that I was having until I met my husband, my current husband. He told me that he wanted children. He immediately started, you know, talking wifey talk to me right from the very beginning. It was just so fast and so on point of everything that I wanted. He was saying, and I thought, wow, this is exactly what I want. Is, is it okay to have this again? Because at that point I had thought, maybe it's just not going to happen again. Maybe I should shelf that dream of having, you know, another child and just put that dream away. But When he came into my life, he made me feel like it was okay to want that again. But because our relationship was so much drama and there was so much turmoil in it that when I did get pregnant, I was super excited and I told him, oh, you know, I'm pregnant. And he was not excited about it. And I told him, you know what? I don't even care. I don't care if you're happy about this or if you're not happy about this. I want the baby more than what I want a boyfriend. But I ended up miscarrying, and I think it has everything to do with karma because when I left my second ex-husband, I was just full in my shadow. I was full in my ego. It felt like it was my turn to just have fun and enjoy myself and really not care about anything. And I really do believe that it happened. You know, I miscarried that pregnancy. I really do believe it just happened because it was a lesson so that it could remind me of what I truly wanted out of this life. And it was a test, like, how bad do you want this? And I believe that it was because I stood firm on what I was valuing over anything else. The fact that I I was like, I want a baby. I don't care if I have a boyfriend. I don't care what's going on in my career. I don't care what other relationships is going on or not happening for me. I want another baby. It just reawoken my mission of having more children. And I started to turn around and get my life together. Because at that time, I was like I said, I was full in my shadow, I was 
hurting people that I shouldn't have been hurting. I was involving myself in things that I should not have involved involved myself in. And I was reaping all the karma from it. And, and I understood. I understood this is my karma for all the things that I've been doing the wrong way. And when I started changing my life around, that's when my, you know, husband now, boyfriend then, came back into my life and we got back together and I got pregnant again. And this time we were both very happy, both very excited. We had both figured out that's where our value was. That's what we were valuing, the both of us. Because he has his own story that's not mine to share, but he has his own story on fatherhood. And it was through me that he found out what he really valued. And so we were gifted with our now 11-year-old daughter. So it's my third baby, his first, and we were gifted her. We recognize that she truly was a blessing. Now, my fourth lesson and my fourth baby, I really think that I really needed to learn how to forgive and how to accept somebody. At the time, I really thought, you know, like I said, if you've been listening to Chapters of Motherhood podcast, then you know the story. My husband and I, uh, at one point, we broke up and we went our separate ways and we were separated for almost a year. And again, at that time, I thought, okay, well, you know, we had our daughter together and that's it. We're not going to have any more children together like we were planning on. And again, I thought, okay, I'm going to start dating for a stepfather. And again, it didn't happen the way that I wanted. So I decided that I was going to focus on my income. Again, I started focusing on my abundance and I started working on my income and I started just forgetting about relationships again, because I had my kids and I didn't need another husband and I wasn't going to let anybody take advantage of me. But at the same time, my husband, he had a lot of demons to slay. He had a lot of healing to do. And during the time that we were separated, he really focused on himself. He really focused on healing himself. And it didn't happen as honorably as I'm talking about it. But in the end, it is what ended up happening. It was court mandated for him to go into rehab, but he took advantage of the situation to actually heal because he didn't want to be living the life that he was living anymore. And he wanted to heal from it and be a better father, be a better partner. And at the time, I thought, you know, whatever you're doing, you're doing for yourself because I'm done. Well, thank God for his tenacity, because he came back to me as a healed person. And I had no choice but to really look at him and forgive him and accept him for the person that he was and for the person that he was becoming. And he had already fulfilled a few promises to me, one of them of being a stepfather to the children that I already had, being a father to our child that we had together, and the fact that he gave me her. So I felt like I owed it to myself because he was he was completing his promises to me. Did he have demons to slay? Yes, he did. But he was still completing his promises to me, which was family and unconditional love. And he gave me that. So shortly after getting back together, we were gifted with our fourth, well, with my fourth baby and our second baby. Now, my fifth lesson and my fifth baby that came to me, I believe it is because we both passed our temptation challenge. But with it came a lot of chaos. There's a lot of arguing. There was, there was just so many challenges that started coming into our marriage after having our fifth baby. 
But through it all, we kept our promises to each other. And I believe it was because I finally learned to love another person unconditionally. That was something that I I hadn't learned. I, I could love somebody, but it came with conditions, you know. And this time around, I accepted my husband for who he was and who he wasn't and for his past and for even things that I may not even know. I've, I've just accepted him. And on top of that, I finally accepted that he loved me unconditionally as well. It wasn't a one-way street. He loves me unconditionally as well. And I finally understood that. And so now I really do believe my family is complete. There is no more longing. I mean, there was, I was thinking, oh, we never, we never had a boy, but you know what? It's fine. I believe that we're complete. The next challenge that I believe that we faced was a challenge on abundance because we were doing pretty well financially. And then we hit a rough spot, a rough few months, actually, it was it was a little over a year and a half that we experienced some financial difficulties. And through it all, we remain strong together, we kept our family together, there was so much going on, there was, you know, we even went to marriage counseling and everything, but we kept our marriage together, because we kept our family together. Both he and I valued family above anything else. And it was tested when we went through our financial troubles. So, like I said, because I've already been in my past life, he and I both have already accomplished abundance in our past life. That doesn't go away. That's going to come back, but it will be challenged. It will be challenged. But I do believe that this next abundant gift is going to be because we passed our challenges in patience and in trust. And because of that, we are on a certain lifestyle that is just really blossoming. And it's hard for me to talk about it because a lot of people will say, you don't talk about these things. You don't talk about your blessings. You don't, you know, you can count them, but you don't talk about them. You don't brag about them. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, listen, you're going to be tested. And if you pass your tests, you will be rewarded in whatever it is that you're missing, whatever it is that you think you're missing in life. For me, I was missing the experience of being a mother. In my past lives, I was missing the experience of being abundant. But I really do believe that it's coming through him because he's passing his past life challenges. And remember I said my instructor asked me if I recognized anybody from my past life back then? And I said no. If he were to ask me today, do I recognize anybody? I would say yes. Yes, my husband then is my husband now. And his challenge that he learned was he needs to place value over the person that he married, over the person that he had had a child with. And I believe because he learned that challenge in his past life and in this life, that's why I think that our abundance is coming through him, because he's now being rewarded with what he valued first. And that is my story on why I know for a fact I was meant to be a mother in this lifetime. Now, I had other past life regressions that I don't really want to share on the podcast yet. Actually, that is, I don't really want to share the past life regression meditations yet. Because these types of meditations, if they're not done correctly, can keep you stuck in that pain, can keep you stuck in that whatever it is that you didn't pass in your past lives. 
I am going to be working on it. It'll probably take me about six months before I have a coaching module on it. But this one, I need to make sure that it's well monitored because the last thing that I want is to put something out there that is not going to be well monitored. And then instead of helping you, it's going to hinder you. So be on the lookout in the next six months for that. Thank you so much for stopping by at Chapters of Motherhood podcast and the crossover with the Ethereal Phoenix podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it was my Halloween special as well because it is Halloween and the veil is very thin and I just hope that you enjoyed this story. And if you did, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening on. And if you're listening on something that you can't rate or review it, please go on my Instagram and leave me a comment. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and leave a comment on Apple Podcast or leave a voice message on Anchor FM. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or on Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood. <music>